You want to jump in here? Yeah. Do you want me to tell you a story first? I forgot who went first the last time, so. Can I go first? I'm really excited. Okay. <laughs> okay. I give Yay! you permission to go first. Okay. Yes. This is one. So I had other things planned, and then I read about this, and I was like, oh, fuck. This is what we're, we're talking about. We're doing this now. And there's not a lot out there about this, and so we might be one of the first people to talk about it. It is insane. It is called the Havana Syndrome. We've been doing a lot of historical things, and this is one that is unfolding in real time. So I am super, super pumped. Are you ready? I am so ready. Okay, I'm going to give you a little bit of background. In 1959, January, um, this guy named Fulgencio Batista, he was fired, basically, from his job. And his job was dictator of Cuba. Don't feel bad for him for getting fired, though. Um, in his seven years, he had killed about 20,000 Cubans, suspended elections, controlled the press, yada, yada, yada. Like, whatever kind of bad guy thing you can imagine, he did. And after he got expelled, he was denied entry to the U.S. and Mexico. So poor guy had to live in Portugal with several hundred million dollars that he stole from his government. Really rough life, It right? sounds like it. I mean, I hope that... <laughs> When I get exiled to some country that is pretty decent, that I would also be exiled with more than a couple hundred million dollars, you know? I mean, if you only have one hundred million dollars, what is even the point? Yeah, what right? is life? But like, that's nothing. God, kill me now. I can't even, like, get a grilled cheese with that, you know? Seriously, what are grilled cheese? is like two hundred million now? I mean, I just let my accountant handle that. Yeah, very relatable, his struggles. But I will say, under Batista, Havana was wild. Arthur Miller called it, quote, hopelessly corrupt, a mafia playground, and a bordello for Americans and other foreigners. So even though, you know, Batista was not so cool, if you were Cuban, if you were American, it was amazing. Like, if you are a, a rapscallion like Ernest Hemingway or Lucky Luciano, who was a fucking gangster or a sugar executive, you are going to be loving it. You're going to be making tons of money and being able to do whatever you want in this beautiful tropical paradise. Frank Sinatra, you know, the Copacabana, things like that, that kind of vibe is all very Cuba under this dictator. But again, Cubans are not, they're not doing so great, like they're being killed. So somebody ousted him in 1959, as you might imagine. Good. Good. Yeah. He's like, hey, maybe stop killing us, please. So this guy was a lawyer. Um, and for two years from 1957 to 59, he and some other Cubans uh, sort of hid in the mountains and fought to oust this dum-dum from power. And this guy is Fidel Castro. Did you know that he was a lawyer? You know, I did not. But for some reason, that just does not surprise me. Yeah, the French Revolution was led by lawyers as well. Like, most of the people at, at all points of that were lawyers. I don't know about the Russian Revolution, but lots lawyers get involved in a lot of things like that. I, You know, this is interesting. I, I wouldn't, you know, think that the revolution, at the front, forefront of the revolution, two things I wouldn't expect. You know, the national forest, or the <laughs> national parks out here being at the forefront of the right? revolution, and nor would I expect there to be lawyers at the forefront of the revolution, <laughs> but here we go. Facts are facts. Right? Yeah. So if you don't trust lawyers, you know, here's just another thing to factor into that is that they, they traditionally have a, a long 
history of being revolutionaries, which, you know, in my mind makes me like them more. But anyway, so Fidel gets in power and he's like, listen, guys, it's time for communism. And at the time, Cuba had a huge mid upper class and they were like, "Mm, no, thanks. So uh, very similar to the U.S., I think. So a lot of Cubans leave and also a lot of Cubans when they left didn't think that it would last very long. Again, uh, this is what I imagine would happen in the U.S. So people leave. The U.S. is pissed that they're not getting millions of dollars out of Cuba. And, you know, it's like, oh, we hate communism or whatever. Yes, communism bad. Yeah. I mean, everybody getting the same thing. Lame. Uh, So what this does is... The U.S. does what it always does, which is super mature and not at all acting like a spoiled brat. Train some special forces to sneak into a Latin American country and unseat their leader because they don't like him. Um, I just want to point out there is even a Wikipedia page called United States Involvement in Regime Change in Latin America. Because the U.S. <laughs> does this so much. They unseated people in Argentina, Brazil, Chile, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Nicaragua, Panama, Paraguay, Peru, and Uruguay. So this is everything except Mexico, Colombia, Guyana? I think that's about, it's just like U.S. Yes. And yes. also a lot of this is fucking Ronald Reagan, who I hate. But anyway, Reagan, U.S., Yarud. The difference with Cuba is that it failed. Um, Castro is a smart dude, or he was, he's dead now, Um, but he knows how to operate and he hid his troops in the mountains. The U.S. was unsuccessful. This is called the Bay of Pigs. And again, we lost, so you think, we took it well, right? Of course we did. Of course we did. We're like, all right, you know what? Good game. Thank you for playing. Uh, You bested me. Let's make some treaties. Right? Mm wrong. So basically since that time, Cuba and the US have spent the rest of the time spying and hating one another from afar. Of course, the US <laughs> and and from afar, uh I mean They're like mean girls. <laughs> I know. I mean I feel like you said this about Pocahontas too in that episode. I mean, really we're learning that all of geopolitical maneuvering is on the level of Regina George and Mean Girls. No, okay, so with Pocahontas, I said that the colonists were, like, a bunch of frat boys. Oh, no, when they were like, nobody likes you, your dad is oh, even, yeah. but, yeah, Mean Girls, it's just, like, <sighs> yeah. Okay, so this is true. International politics is basically, like, hundreds of years of Mean Girls. <laughs> I mean, the more I learn about history, the more this just seems very true, and it makes me tired. Like, I just want to take a nap. And also, I would like to say, by far, I mean, not very far away at all. This is very close. And so that this sort of idea of spying is where my story is going to focus. Spies could and should be their own episode. I really, really like spies. I'm super into it. But basically, <laughs> nerd. You, I know, I listened. I already told you a story about sewing so come on there's no surprise here like i just want you to think of some old grandma's craft or interest and i promise i have that hobby like (laughs) sewing yes crocheting yes puzzles yes there is no limit to my nerdness or your grandma-ness really or my grandma-ness uh i enjoy cats i enjoy i guess only some grandmas enjoy drinking as much as I do. I enjoy cooking, reading a good mystery, 
gardening. I mean, <laughs> do you have like what is that thing called that you like the lanyard for your glasses? Do you have one of those? No, I actually do not have to wear glasses. I mean, I should wear glasses like when I drive at night, but I don't have. I mean, my vision is stable and I don't wear glasses so that doesn't mean that you don't need reading glasses not yet I mean knock on wood Jesus I hope I at least get to make it to like a legitimate old age before that happens whatever Myrtle Mm. I, I accept the name Myrtle I accept it well anyway so the point is if you've seen any spy movie set during World War II or the Cold War that doesn't involve a shootout it's probably accurate Um, As far as I know, as someone who's definitely not a spy, like that idea that nobody really knows what's going on, it's all a lot of guessing games and this and that, is is very accurate. Graham Greene, who was a British novelist, he wrote The Quiet American, which is probably his most famous one. But he was a spy during World War II and reported to one of the MIs until he died. But he wrote a book called Our Man in Havana, about spies and he got in trouble for how accurately he portrayed it like they were like please don't tell people how the british government runs its spies oh weird yeah yeah so and i've seen that hotel where that book takes place but anyway um so cuba is really really well known to be deeply penetrated by spies and secret police and the u.s and cuba are just constantly constantly spying on each other they everybody knows that they're spying on each other as far as the United States is concerned they don't want Cuba doing this because Cuba will learn things about the U.S. and the U.S. may not care that Cuba knows it, but Cuba will sell things to places like North Korea. And so that's sort of what's at stake. Human Rights Watch does get upset at Cuba for arresting people without trial. When I was there, I visited Havana in 2016, Havana and San Fuegos. And when I was in Havana, uh, several, uh, two Cubans, like, People who live in Havana said that it's very safe, and it is, um, and they said it's safe because people still expect secret police everywhere, Um, which is like, oh, I feel (laughs) safe. Do I feel safe? Uh, (laughs) But, and so there's, it's just a place that is full of spies from all around the world. And the consensus is that Cuba is out spying the U.S. at every turn. One uh, CIA official, or A former CIA analyst wrote in his book, Cuban intelligence ran circles around both the CIA and the FBI. Cuba had a mole in the U.S. government from 1985 to 2001. They are legitimately considered the best country at spying in the world. Oh, that's kind of amazing. It is. It is awesome and crazy. Like, they are a tiny, poor, kind of isolated country in a lot of ways. And yet this one thing they are just so fucking good at. It is, it's kind of cool. Like, what if, well, hold on. I'll let you, before I start hypothesizing here, I'll let you finish your story. Oh, intriguing. Uh, I hope you remember this. The reason why you might have thought about hypothesizing is that nothing that I've described is terrifying. Like, it's interesting, but like, okay, who cares? We're almost getting there. So Raul Castro took over from Fidel, and Raul started loosening up the country. This is how I ended up going there in 2016. At the same time that Raul Castro was doing this, Barack Obama was also loosening up regulations. Um, He visited Cuba, which is a huge, huge step. One of the things 
that loosening up Cuba did was bring the internet. And it really, this is a really, like, has nothing to do with anything, but it's a really funny story. Um, when I was in Havana, a Cuban told me that they, like, they watch, they get everything on the internet. And I had, like, an hour of free internet um, at this hotel that I stayed at one night. And it was so slow that I was just, like, I gave up. Like, I couldn't even post a photo on Instagram. I was just like, <laughs> this is like fucking dial-up. This is insane to me. And this Cuban, this Cubano was like, oh, yeah, we have the internet. You know, we, we watch everything you do. Like, do you guys watch Game of Thrones? And we were like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you watch Game of Thrones? And he was like, oh, someone in the government, like, downloads all these shows and sells them to people. So, like. <laughs> wow. Yeah, um, the idea that they are this totally closed society is is crumbling, and so Obama was very specifically going there to say, "Hey, let's let's work together." And so part of establishing ties is to increase your diplomatic presence, and and all all countries have diplomats set up in other countries, whether they're super friendly or hostile. You know, diplomats are not spies. They work in the State Department. It's generally considered really really bad form to do anything bad to diplomats. This is why you have things like diplomatic immunity. It's generally considered kind of safe. Now, this is where we start getting into all things terror. And this is where we start discussing Havana syndrome. So Fidel Castro died in November 2016. And a month later, this spy, a U.S. spy who was working in uh, Havana under diplomatic cover, quote unquote, which I assume means that he was set there to look like a diplomat, but actually was not. He goes to the doctor and he was a CIA officer. He was a really experienced spy. And he told a nurse that um, he was at home and he heard a weird sound and then felt pressure in his like body. And since then had had really painful headaches and dizziness. He because he was an experienced spy, he knew the signs of counterintelligence. He had been constantly followed. He had had intrusions into his home. There had been obvious tamperings with his belongings. So these are all things that he was expecting and was aware of, and it wasn't a big deal, right? Like, oh, right. they're going to spy on me. And actually, this one article that I read had some really funny things about any diplomat or American in Cuba expected this, and they would Usually you wouldn't know that they had done that, but then later you would, like, people would talk about coming home and finding, like, turds in the toilet, or someone said once they... <laughs> Hold on, there's the poop in the story. Yeah, oh, no! Oh, I almost made it! Oh, hashtag turd forever! I feel like this now just... It's going to have to be in every episode, because if it's not, not we're really going to let purpose. people down. I know, God damn it. You're so full of shit. <laughs> but <it's laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I had to do it. You're welcome, America. <laughs> yeah, just like petty things like that. Um, one guy said that he had an ashtray in his house and he would like come down in the morning and there would be cigarette butts in it. Like people would come in and smoke cigarettes in his house just just to be like, hey, we're watching you. So these are things that, that they're used to and they're like, okay, it's just kind of petty, but it's it's harmless and they're not going to physically harm me. But a month later, this guy goes back to the doctor and says, listen, I'm having ringing in my ears. There's cognitive 
problems, like it can't remember anything, I can't focus, balance issues. Um, in February, two more CIA officials went to the doctor with similar symptoms. And a former State Department had State Department, oh my God, State State Department <laughs> official. The State Department. I swear to God, I almost said State Defart. Uh, <laughs> like, you got poop on the brain again. Jesus. Satan take the wheel. So a former State Department <laughs> official. <laughs> so, Good job. I'm applauding you. Someone, <laughs> someone who works for the government said it's like serial killers. It usually takes three or four before police conclude, wait a minute, these are connected, um, which is a very ominous quote. So this is happening in April. They go to the Cubans and they're like, listen, we're supposed to be buds. Why are you doing this? And the Cubans are like, uh, what the fuck? No, we have no clue what you're talking about. So this keeps happening. We're getting more people promoting or coming forward saying something is wrong with me and they get a neurologist or some sort of brain expert in and he says oh hell no this is like someone who's had a massive concussion so people are not sleeping they have balance issues like inner ear damage they're exhausted they can't focus very similar to cte almost um which is what football players are having problems with right and now it's not just spies it's actual diplomats who are having this and it's all happening in their homes what so which diplomats like just american diplomats or yeah just, many different types just american diplomats at this point okay um one other really interesting twist a doctor who had a high security clearance traveled there under an assumed name um and checked into a hotel experienced the same thing where he all of a sudden had this weird sound and felt pressure on his body. And that was when they go, this is really serious Um, because in their own home, they're expecting surveillance. They're expecting people to be aware of you when you're there as an official. But this guy was essentially sneaking in and they still got him. And he was like, nobody knew I was coming. So I don't know how this happened. It's really weird. There are some doctors who were really skeptical about it, but as soon as they saw the patients, they were like, No. One of the quotes is, quote, there is not one individual on the team who is not convinced that this was a real thing. They called it the thing. They called it immaculate concussion, which is funny. (laughs) That's my favorite so far. I know. And Havana syndrome, which is what I've been calling it because that's nice and spooky. So in August, again, of this year, an entire, or I'm sorry, I'm saying of this year, I mean of 2017, not 2018. Scratch that. So in August of 2017, an entire Canadian family, this is Canadian diplomat, is awoken in the middle of the night. They're feeling waves of pressure on their bodies. Like that's what wakes them up. The two children have nosebleeds. And this is really weird because Canada gets along with Cuba. So they're like, what's going on? And the U.S. is like, hey, like in the stereotypical way you might imagine or you would create this if this was a Hollywood movie. The U.S. is like, hey, do you want to join forces with us and we'll beat them up? And Canada's like, oh, no, it's okay. We're sorry. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. So at this point, 2017, mid-2017, the U.S. is saying that the case, the number of cases of this is up to 12. And Raul Castro is sort of hinting privately, not to the U.S., um, that this could be China. But as far as anyone is concerned at this point, or even to this day, the Cuban government has no idea what's going on. In May 2018, 
Um, a woman who had had baseline testing before she left reported experiencing the syndrome. And in February of 2018, um, the Journal of JAMA, what is that? Journal of American Medical Science? No. Journal of American Scones. The Journal of the American Medical Association. Oh, God. Of scones. Of scones. I like how you said of American medical science. That's science (laughs) does not start with an A. Why did I guess that? The Journal of American Medical Science A. <laughs> Jesus. Just, that's how they spell it in Cuba. Um, <laughs> so th- you, you're, you're really uh, getting all the cards in today. I'm just, you know, I'm the sharpest marble in the drawer. <laughs> so... Th- February 2018, JAMA is publishing a report about this. Like, they studied this thing that's happening. And what is happening? Guess what? We have no fucking clue. Of course not. There, The number of people that have experienced this is almost 40. There's been a really intense uh, U.S.-Cuban investigation. And the U.S. is essentially just like, well, something happened. Who knows? One really popular theory is that it is a sonic weapon. And this is where we start getting very terrifying in my mind. Um, Is a sonic weapon or a microwave weapon? So there's this thing called the Frey effect. And it was found by this guy named Frey. And he's still alive. But he found that certain frequency of, of microwaves will create... If you're in that frequency, it will create sound. Like, you'll think you're hearing something. But there's no actual sound waves going through. It's just the way the microwave hits your brain. And so the theory is that it's a microwave weapon that they're using to target American diplomats and CIA operatives or whatever. For some reason, this Canadian family. Yeah, and for some reason, the Canadian family, (laughs) they were rude. They deserve it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But... That's why some people hear sounds, and some people did hear sounds, some didn't. Another one, and I just have to point out that this is amazing. This guy is named James Giordino, and his job, he works at the Georgetown College Medical Center or whatever. And this is how he was described. Quote, who specializes in neuroweapons. How cool is that? I don't specialize in anything that cool. Neuroweapons. He sound, that sounds like something out of a James Bond villain catalog. I was going to say that's like some sort of class of weapon in a like space fantasy video game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like a uh, Firefly or something. They're like, oh no, the neuroweapon. But anyway, so he says that what he thinks is that it's a radio frequency or electromagnetic pulse and that this entered through the victim's ears. And he was saying that, this is interesting, that just because some people have, there's variations in how people's heads are built, basically, is why some people heard sounds and some people didn't. So what would happen is that there's, the the electromagnetic pulse would cause bubbles in the fluid in your inner ear or in the blood. And so that's why people are having, like, balance issues um, and things like that. They say that the bubbles would, could explode and that would damage them. If they burst in other places, it could essentially become like tiny mini strokes, sort of like um, the bends if you come up too fast from scuba diving. Yeah. Which is insane. You know, that's like a primary reason why I never want to go scuba diving. 
Yeah, it's really scary. It sounds insanely painful, too, because in the bends, you get bubbles in all of your blood, and it hurts. Like, it hurts your body. Yeah, I don't know. So they don't they don't know what it is. Any of those possibilities, the sonic weapon, the microwaves, or the electromagnetic pulse, would all be really portable. Um, it would essentially be like a dish that could fit in the back of a van. Interestingly, one wife of an embassy staff member apparently had said that she looked outside her home after hearing a weird sound and saw a van driving away. So that feels very likely, all of those things. You know, for some reason, this is reminding me of, like, I don't know if you heard about this, but, like, in 2000, like, 2012, like, the Marshals Service began buying these new radars, and these new radars uh, radars also hit the police force, and there's a special type of radar that now they can just drive up to your house and shoot the radar at the house so they can see, like, the inside of your house and, like, determine where there are people and stuff. And they don't, they didn't have to have, like, search warrants or anything to basically Ew, invade creepy. your privacy. Yes. It feels weirdly a lot like that. Well, one of the things I was actually going to, like, close with this, but uh, I'll just say it now. So this all sounds very science fiction-y, but um, there are patents that show that since the early 2000s, the U.S. has been working on weapons like this. Um, microwaves that will paralyze people because if you blast someone with this microwave, the way it, if it, it feels to you is it makes you feel really, really, like, uncomfortable and you will just, like, freeze, kind of hitting your fight-or-flight mode a little bit. They did a lot of studies of trying to beam that idea that there's not a sound happening, but if it's a certain frequency, you'll think you're hearing a sound. Mm-hmm. So they did a lot of work trying to beam specific words into people's minds, which is really picking back off of Russia during the Cold War was obsessed, obsessed with this idea. Yep, yep. Which makes that Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, you know, very realistic. Kate Blanchett's villain is super into this. Ironically, some of People who were working on these projects were people who had defected from Russia and the Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, we don't like what Russia's doing. We're going to go do it for the U.S. But yeah, so honestly, they're not. I, I looked around and tried to find some things, and there's not a ton of stuff out there about this. And this is where we are now is something has happened. We don't know what caused it. And we don't know who did it or why, which is another really interesting part of why this is terrifying. It doesn't make sense that the Cubans would do it. Although um, I said Raul was the one who was opening up Cuba and he is, I always have to look this up because I forget how he's related to uh, Fidel. Uh, He's Fidel Castro's brother. But so while Raul was meeting with Obama and opening up Cuba, Fidel was not into it. He actually wrote an op-ed at the time being like, you know, we'd rather be independent than, you know, take gifts from the imperialists or whatever. So one theory is that there was a faction of Cubans who did this just to make Raul look bad and to tank these deals. You will note also that this started happening in 2016. And this was also right when Trump took office. Mm -hmm. And that fucker undid all of this. He destroyed the deals. He shut everything down. He stopped this thaw um, and essentially reversed all of the Obama-era policies and um, sort of friendly overtures. So there is this idea that it is a faction of Cubans. Another more possible 
One is that it is the Russians or Chinese that they would be more likely to have a weapon of that sort. And the Russian motivation, at least, is that they would be pissed that the U.S. is doing this and that Cuba is doing it. During the Cold War, Russia gave Cuba a lot of money because they were like, hey, we are a communist country. We want communism to succeed. And we would love it if you pissed off the U.S. by being the successful communist country right next to them that they can't get rid of. <laughs> and with the and the fall of the USSR, they stopped doing that. Putin kind of recently forgave like millions, like $30 million of Cuban debt or some crazy thing like that. But, you know, if we think of the Cold War as the U.S. trying to do these sort of proxy wars and, and get these countries, these satellite countries to be democratic, well, Russia was doing the same thing. And, and Cuba was one of their sort of satellites or protectorates or however you want to call that. So there is the idea that Russia is doing this to make the U.S. angry at Cuba. Since this has started happening in Cuba recently, it started happening to American diplomats in China as well. Um, at least one diplomat returning from China has had this and 11 have actually been evacuated. And evacuated oh, wow. is, yeah, not my word. Also, if you're worried about these people, it seems that after months of rehabilitation, they kind of get back to normal, much like you would with a really bad concussion. But yeah, that's pretty much all they know. It's weird. So <laughs> someone's shooting waves at your head. Yeah, well, with a portable and the gun satellite. I mean, the other thing that's Bam. really interesting or potentially very horrifying to me about this is that it's possible that the U.S. has weapons like this. It's, it's likely that the U.S. has weapons like this. It's also, if this is starting to come out now, I'm assuming that things of this sort are only going to become more frequently used. So does this mean that in the future we're going to have sonic booms that essentially will spontaneously give you what is essentially a concussion used for crowd control or... By police forces. I mean, that is really, really scary. You could hurt a lot of people very quickly and shut down a lot of dissent. Or you could damage the brains of an opposing army. I mean, it's a really scary weapon. And just that it's sort of being used, it almost sounds like pranking people is weird. It's very creepy. Well, and I wonder, like, what impact that has, like, on the surrounding ecology, too, you know? Yeah, well, and you one of the things... You can probably destroy whole ecosystems with that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, if it's affecting human brains, there's no reason why it's not affecting pets, you know, or other animals. I like how my mind immediately goes to pets. No, someone think of the kitties. <laughs> yeah, well, and one of the things that one of the articles that I read was talking about is that one of the things that makes it difficult to understand what kind of weapon this is, is why would it damage your brain, but not like your other vessels? Like when we were talking about the bends, you know, those bubbles impact all of your blood vessels. So it's your whole body. But these people aren't experiencing this all over their body. It's specifically like brain and inner ear trauma, which again makes it of a really specialized targeted weapon. Mm -hmm. It's just like another weird wrinkle. When are we going to get nanobots? That's all I want to know. I don't know. I would also like to say that this started happening. The first report of this was in December 2016, and I was in Havana in summer of 2016. So I could have been Havana syndromed. I mean, definitely not because there's no way that anyone would have mistaken me as anything other than a dumb tourist. But, you know, still. You were there. Things were happening. 
yeah, I saw the hotel, Hotel Nacional, which is where, mo- like, a lot of this happened. I, I, I drove by it in a cab. The cab driver was like, that's where Obama stayed. And I was like, cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I've been in Havana. I was there right when it thawed. I don't know that I would be able to go again, but yeah, it's just all around a very mysterious, strange, it, it really sounds like something out of a James Bond movie, Havana Syndrome. Or the Immaculate Concussion. The Immaculate Concussion. I actually wasn't going to say the other names, but then I was like, oh, Jennifer will like that one. <laughs> I mean, why would you withhold that from me? That's such a good name. That is apparently that... someone with a sense of humor came up with that. Yeah, that's true. I like that. Um, listen, if you're listening and you coined that term, give us a shout out. We'll send you a present. <laughs> and also thank you. Yeah, thank you for that delightful wordplay. <laughs> yeah, so I I feel like sometimes we have topics where it's a lot of speculation or interpretation by us. And this one, I'm like, but I don't even know what else to say about it. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, first off, the idea of some sort of like weapon that uses microwaves is really fucking scary. Like, and you're right, like, the levels of authority that it can fall into is terrifying, but then also the fact that that could also fall into criminal hands. That can, I mean, any type of weapon that exists is going to go to places that you don't want it to go to. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are so many histories of people who created crazy weapons and were like, well, this will create peace on Earth because no one will want to use that. This is what someone thought of when the airplane event was invented. People will never use this for warfare because it's too terrible. This is what they said about nuclear weapons. This will create world peace because no one wants to use because it's too terrible. Dynamite was originally created as a tool, and that inventor thought people will never use this in war because it's too terrible. Like there are so many times that this has happened, and it has never, like, it has never followed through that way. That idea has never happened. People just do it. And create more carnage. So the idea that we we could make a weapon and not use it to horrible ends is just false, unfortunately. And it's also, it's interesting, the main article that I found and all the other articles that I found refer to this same article. And in one case are basically just reporting about this. It's in the New Yorker. And the New Yorker sounds like they talked to a lot of high-level officials and got a lot of information. But the other thing that I think is like, okay, but there's probably classified information that they're not getting. And so, like, what is going on that we don't know about? Or or even, like, the people that are investigating it. Maybe they don't have access to something, but some other CIA operative does, right? So it does, like, and any spy story really goes gets you going down this rabbit hole where it really does become sort of spy versus spy and, like, okay, this is the whole story, but do I really think it is the whole story? And, like what am I being told? How much do I believe? And and this story really does feel like that to me where I'm like, okay, this is what the New Yorker has reported and uncovered and found out. But like, what were they holding back from the New Yorker? And what were they holding back from those people who talked to the New Yorker? And I, I want to know really, why this, really weird. I want to know why this isn't on Infowars right now. I mean, I'm trying not to laugh as I say that, but I think it's just so weird that you can't use it. Like, you can't use it to make you hate someone or, <laughs> right. or like, 
rally against Mexicans or women or gay people. Like, you can't... It's just so weird and apparently motiveless and difficult to trace what's happening and even what kind of weapon this is. Like, it's just too strange that you can't use it, I guess. And also, I think in just a much more practical manner, probably the people who write for InfoWars do not read The New Yorker. True enough. <laughs> It's probably true. Different audiences. <laughs> uh, Jennifer, take us away from Havana and Emily's dark speculation about secret documents. Let's talk about. I'm going to take us away from Havana and bring us to our first connection where we're going to spend some time in Key West. Wait, we're going to do what? Spend some time in Key West. Oh, shit. No way. <laughs> How does this always happen? So I'm doing this one. It's on my... I have a list. We both have lists of things we want to talk about. I've wanted to talk about this one for a while, but I decided to do it this time because a friend of mine, hey, Whitney, brought it up to me recently. And I was like, it's time. It's time to talk about Robert Eugene Otto. And his very, very close best friend. Oh, dear. Oh, I also will say, before we get too deep into whatever horrible thing is about to happen, I might have a guess. Ernest Hemingway loved Cuba, uh, famously. I went to his house there, and it is pristine. It looks exactly the same as it did when he lived there. And when he died, he, he donated all of that to the Cuban government. And you can still go and drink in two bars that he drank at, which I did. But he also loved Key West, Florida. And in fact, there's a Hemingway house there that is full of polydactyl cats. So <laughs> once again, we have we have connected. Well, Robert Eugene Otto. So our story is in the 1900s. Oh, I'm, I'm afraid that I know this story. He, in his adult life, went on to be a prominent artist. He come from a very well-established and prominent family in the Key West. Just, you know, basics about him... So there's conflicting information. He either went by Jean or Eugene. He ended up marrying Annette or Anne Parker. He studied art in New York and in Paris. He eventually moved back into his family home in Key West. He died in 1974 and died in 1976. And... He did some pretty big things for that area, and I think he was actually involved with the Martello Museum out there, putting together some space for them. Hmm. But that's right. so I actually don't know this story, which is making me happy. Oh, you're gonna know this in a minute. Mm. I have faith in it. But basically, overall, pretty kind of ordinary life, right? Come from a nice family, studied art, got married, died because that's what people do. You study art, <laughs> you get married, and you die. <laughs> I like how studying art and getting married are just as much an eventuality as, as death. I mean, I find it to be true, but yes, I mean, it's true. We've all been there or will be there. So Robert, Eugene, Jean, Otto, had a very, very good friend. His friend's name was Robert. <gasps> oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Now I know this story. Okay. I do know this. This is not, I was thinking it was that one of that guy who was like obsessed with a woman who died of tuberculosis. And then he like dug her up and put plaster around her body and like 
made her this living doll that he lived with for like years. Do you know that story? That's a different podcast, I swear. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one that I thought it was. <gasps> this is Robert the Doll, isn't it? This is Robert the Doll. Oh, and his creepy little hands. All right, continue. Okay. This is delightful. So I have to I have to pause because what our listeners don't know is I kind of have a weird like fear of things with faces. And it's not like I'm afraid of like humans. I mean, I am afraid of humans. <laughs> very rationally afraid of humans. I'm very irrationally afraid of inanimate objects that have faces. And it's not like well, all the time. I will say this is also why uh, whenever you see photos of Jennifer or you hang out with her, everyone's wearing a paper bag over their face. Yes, uh, that is a requirement. Please, You're not allowed to have a face. welcome to my home. Please put this bag on. I don't want to see it. Even your cats walk around with little tiny paper bags over their faces that they yes. meow through. Uh, the dog I had to get creative for and just have, like, a mask made. His nose still sticks out, but I'm kind of okay with that. Well, sure. And I, like, it's just a little circle for his nose and his tongue so he can lick things. Yes, yes. Yeah, fair. And by lick things, I mean eat cat poop. And chew on window seals. It's a thing he does. Oh, no! What a demon! Yeah, he ate part of the window seal, so that's a real I... thing. Listen, Oki, Roanoke... Bubby, that couldn't have tasted good. That wasn't fun. Why are you eating wood, you weirdo? He thinks he's a termite. He's like, I'm just, I'm an agent of chaos. Yes, that is accurate. <laughs> he's like, I, my spirit animal is Loki. So. Yeah, he, uh, he's just acting out because you didn't name him Loki, which is his true soul. I don't think so. There's like 20 <laughs> dogs just within like three feet of me that are all named Loki. So, <laughs> yeah, I will say I am um, my first cat that I had as an adult was named Luca. He died last spring. It was very sad. But he recently Luca has become kind of a popular name for children, human children. And so like I'll see them running around and be like, <laughs> that's my pet's name. Like <laughs> That's an animal name. Um, like, you're named after a cat. I need to go back to, I am afraid of things with that have faces, inanimate objects that have faces. And it's not like I'm phobic about them or I'm constantly terrified of them, but, like, every now and then, like, stuffed animals creep me out. Or a painting of, like, some stuffy Victorian woman hating her life creeps me out. Like, <sighs> As it should. <laughs> Well, her her situation's way too real, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, but we've all studied art, Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then got married and then died. Yep. In that order. But these things really bother me, and there were, there were two things that in my childhood that creeped me out. Um, one was a giant stuffed raccoon that my sister owned, like a stuffed animal raccoon that was, like, huge, like one of those, like, <laughs> life-size things. I like how you clarify that it was not, in fact, like, just a taxidermied raccoon that your sister had as a child. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, I, the, the total sum of this would not be... It's, it's not really understandable unless you've seen it, but my grandmother on my dad's side of the family had this huge doll collection. And I mean, like, massive. <sighs> and she stored, like, stored them in the living room 
And the living room is where, of course, all the children slept when we went to visit my grandmother. And it, I found it so hard to sleep at night because it's like one of these are going to murder me. So. Oh my god. I've been, I've kind of been wanting to talk about haunted dolls for a while and things with faces that are creepy. And here is Robert. I don't like, I don't feel creeped out too much by dogs or I'm sorry by dogs that was a weird mistake (laughs) I don't feel too creeped out by like dolls but doll collections yes like there's like all of them right well there's just something about like but why (laughs) well (sighs) just to kind of describe the doll I think the doll is roughly like three feet tall it's a big doll. It's a big doll, uh, life size. Of course, uh, it got the name Robert because Robert Eugene Otto, hashtag Gene or Eugene, who knows, <laughs> uh, named the doll Robert. He loved the doll so much and he named the doll Robert. It was believed to be made by the Steiff, Steff Company. It's a German company that's renowned because they made like the first teddy bear, which was like a tribute to Theodore Roosevelt for some reason. Oh, interesting. It does, it looks like, I've seen a picture of it, it looks like a stuffed human animal. Like it, it's really weird. You think doll and you think like those plastic babies that come in like very white or very black, right? Those two colors. You know what I mean? The baby dolls, the plastic face baby dolls, but it doesn't look, it looks like a stuffed if you think of the human version of a stuffed animal. Well, so there are two accounts of what this is, the doll is stuffed with. Some say it's straw and other, what I feel like are probably more accurate accounts, is that it's stuffed with wood wool, which has another name. Do you know what the wood name? Wood wool? Do you know the other name for wood wool? Dead people fingers or something? That's a great alternate name, but this is for (laughs) all the nerds out there. Uh, It's called Excelsior. Oh, oh, that's way cool. I thought it was going to be like something that would make me sad. (laughs) So stuff with one of these two materials. The origin of the doll has like basically three different stories. One tends to be the more accepted story, which was it was a gift from Robert's grandfather who actually went to Germany. And there is reports that the museum was able to trace back the doll to the Stiff Stiff and whatever that company and that I like Stiff because it makes me think of a dead body. Let's go with Stiff. <laughs> yes, the Stiff Company. I actually don't know how to say this, so anyone who wants to start charting out pronunciation for me, I'd really appreciate this. But they found out that the doll likely wasn't manufactured to be a toy, but was supposed to be like a display doll that sat with a group of gestures and or gestures and clowns which just mm, makes it that much creepier, creepier. <laughs> right yeah see it, now it now it really is filled with dead people fingers <laughs> yes filled with dead pe- people fingers and hangs out with gestures and clowns <laughs> the second origin story is it was given to the boy by the maid the family maid and the third story is that it was given to the boy by the family maid's daughter. Both of those accounts oh, man. less likely than it actually just coming from his grandfather who went to Germany and brought it back. Oh, don't don't blame the poor maid. Yes. But 
All this is going to come full circle, I promise. A couple other things about the doll. Um, The doll wore a sailor suit. Now. Yeah. The sailor suit definitely did not come original with the doll. What? It is likely that the sailor suit was a outfit that Robert had as a child, and they dressed the doll up in the in the sailor suit. Oh, that's weird. Also, what kind of outfit was the cursed thing originally wearing? I don't... I like. I get the feeling that it wasn't wearing anything because it was just naked. A naked doll that was like meant a to go. Naked haunted doll. <laughs> but um, uh, Robert to this day is over a hundred years old. So Robert is old as shit. Ew, now he's wrinkly if he's naked. He interestingly he does have like a lot of nicks in his fabric now so he just it just sort of adds like to the ominous nature of this doll so Mm -hmm. the the haunting so this is funny because if you read if you read anything about robert the doll people pretend like you know he has these great supernatural powers and he will end your life and does all this nefarious stuff but really he is kind of just like an impish character in like his haunting or or how people describe his haunting and so the other thing is is that he he does have some popularity and i want to talk about a bit about like some of the popular media avenues that he's been on like so for example a lot of people believe that robert the doll was the inspiration for chucky Oh, interesting. Or Child's Play, right? In Child's yeah, Play. Yeah, I didn't um, know that, but that makes sense. It's important for me to tell you guys this because I'm then going to describe like his actu- like the actual haunting experience. So he was uh, reportedly the inspiration for Child's Play. And for those of you who don't know, basically a criminal who was in a toy store at the time ends up dying and his soul transfers into this doll, the Chucky doll. And from there, like, the criminal goes on, like, this insane murderous rampage. It's weird because the criminal earlier in the movie just seemed like he was, like, maybe a bit of an armed robber. But then, like, once he becomes, like, the doll, he's like, I'm just gonna fucking kill people, whatever. Yeah, well, he just seems kind of like a run-of-the-mill guy knocking over liquor stores or whatever. But yeah, then he does become kind of like this murderous criminal mastermind or something (laughs) right like he gets a lot smarter and a lot more uh ambitious shall we say yeah and then like all of the movies after the original child's play it's just like it really the narrative gets out of control (laughs) so that's just a really weird movie and robert being an inspiration for that is a little strange so the doll also had its own movie made basically uh called robert it came out like in 2015 ish and then there was a sequel very terrible sequel that came out after that. And then there was yet another sequel. Oh my god! And one more sequel. So 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018 was like the four years of, of bad Robert movies. Oh, and then there was that really bad one that we watched where... The boy? Yeah, the boy where yeah. she has to like feed the doll, quote unquote, and then he's going to kill her or something. <laughs> yes. Oh, Very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Robert has been featured in all kinds of popular podcasts. This includes uh, somebody. So uh, Whitney actually brought up that she heard about it from Lore. So the Lore podcast. Yep. Whitney. 
I've known about it for a while, but when Zach Baggins' Mystery Mansion came out, he did a special featuring Robert the Doll. I feel like my favorite murder might have done on, but I could be making that up because he doesn't really murder anybody. <laughs> right. Yeah. So any of you who are not familiar with Zach Baggins, that's, you know, Ghost Adventures guy. I knew someone who met him and I was very jealous because I've always wanted to meet him. Just out Zach Baggins, if you're out there. Uh, I'm very jealous <laughs> I want to meet you. of his last name, Baggins. It reminds I know, me of it's Hobbits. Very good. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Robert's had a lot of media attention, obviously, in various different forms. Would you say uh, including, this makes him the first celebrity doll? I would say so. <laughs> he very, at least one of the oldest, but there, I, there still might be some earlier ones. I can't think of too many celebrity dolls. <laughs> I mean, there, there's also Annabelle. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, also a different podcast for a different day, but we're getting ahead of ourselves because... I, <laughs> As we <I'm>, do. <laughs> I love haunted dolls. I'm sorry. That's a real thing. I love haunted dolls. I, I don't know why, but that is hilarious. <laughs> I love haunted dolls. I'm not afraid. Who knows it? I'm not ashamed. <laughs> this, is my, this is my true love. Listen, <laughs> I am proud. I'm Jennifer and I love haunted dolls. <laughs> It's like the Oprah I love bread moment. <laughs> I Listen, I do love bread. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, you know, just to clarify, like, I am very much not somebody who believes in, like, ghosts or the supernatural. But these stories fascinate me because they're real to the people who believe that they had these experiences. And objectively, or at least from the other side, I can say none of this happened, but... On the other hand, because somebody had this experience, subjectively, it did happen, so maybe it is still just a little bit real. Yeah, well, and I feel like it's kind of like the Havana Syndrome thing, where, like, okay, something did happen. Something happened. Like, if you say that this thing was over here and then it moved over there, that happened, but how, how that occurred or why is a different story, and that's a little bit harder to pin down. Exactly. So... I bring this up because he's a very, very popular piece of culture. His haunting, right, has inspired, like, a series of horror movies, has gotten the attention of large celebrities like Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures. And it's interesting because this is the kind of stuff that would happen, right? So the Otto family, for example... And their servants would report hearing Eugene or Jean or Jeannie Boy. Hey, Jeannie Boy. Jeannie Boy. Have conversations in his room using two different voices. And after a while, they began to suspect that it wasn't him changing his voice, but what they were actually hearing was Robert speaking back to Eugene. Well, and like little kids will talk about, like, will talk about things all the time and have conversations, but modulating their voice is just not something that they think about or do. So if a kid was doing that, it would be horrifying. That would be so creepy. Yes, yes. And also just because kids are kids anyways, and kids in, like, 1900s are even more terrifying than, like, kids in the contemporary times. <laughs> yeah, they were just born ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the family and servants would report hearing giggling in the house. Things would go missing. Things would get moved. Um, sometimes they would find Eugene. They said frightened, but... I'm sorry. He, you mean hashtag genie boy. They would see genie, genie boy. boy frightened. They would find genie boy frightened at night and like furniture would be overturned. They would hear footsteps sometimes in places. And all the times like all these things were going on, like... Genie Boy's response was Robert did it. Robert did it. It was Robert. Motherfucker, Robert is doing the shit, goddammit. Well, you know and if you're his mom or his nanny, you know, whoever actually has to deal with him, imagine how horrifying that would be to to have this like crazy shit going on and this little kid being like, I didn't do it, Robert did it. Like my first thought would be like, Oh my god, this kid is a sociopath and he's going to kill me when I sleep, not this is haunted. Like, in a certain way, right. if the doll was haunted, that would be relieving. <laughs> well, so a, a couple of, couple more things is, like, children and neighbors would claim that they see the doll move mm. from window and window. And, like, people have reported, like, seeing the doll's expression on this face change. There would be, like, other toys or other items in the house that would show up, like, broken or destroyed. And, again, every time, Robert did it. Now... There's a little bit of context that I want to bring into this story that I don't feel like maybe gets talked about enough is like, again, this is 1900s. This is also 1900s in Key West. Mm -hmm. The family you made is, uh, I think, Brahmin. And this is also. What? Robbing? Brahmin. Oh, Brahmin. Sorry. I thought you were like, she's robbing. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, excuse me now? (laughs) (laughs) There are reports that she was mistreated. As a, a servant. Mm, poor maid. Whether those could be confirmed, I don't know. But 1900s Key West seems like there's a high likelihood of that. And also, this is a community, as Whitney point out, and also several articles, that does have, like, a little bit of, like, voodoo background. Yeah. So, I mean, basically so, what you're saying is, like, if the maid was fucking with them and or cursing them, they deserved it. <laughs> Yes. Also, <laughs> but also, like, this just reminds an area me that... of your Hinterkaifeck story where it's like, oh man, maids cannot catch a break. No, for real. Like, maids get, like, the worst of everything, I feel like. Uh, listen, big ups for maids. We, we love you. Yes. And we wish that terrible things would stop happening to maids. Yeah. So, you know, it's an area that does have some, you know, voodoo belief systems. It's 1900s. People have very different beliefs than, you know, say, people in 2018. Additionally, you know, this is kind of an eccentric kid. He's always been kind of weird. And when he got that doll, I mean, immediately he named it Robert. That doll went everywhere with him. Yeah, that's weird. That doll went everywhere with him. Like, he would carry it everywhere with him. And he would talk to the doll as though the doll was a person. And then talk about the doll as though the doll was a person. So a strange kid... Growing up in the 1900s, an area that does have all kinds of different spiritual beliefs. Mm-hmm. And add on top of this, you know, he's from a pretty prominent family. He was an only child from what I can tell. I don't hear them talking about any other autos, so I could be wrong there. But he seemed, in general, kind of lonely. Yeah. Well, isolated. the other thing, too, <laughs> that's creepy on a different way is that, you know, kids doing weird things sometimes kids are just weird because they're weird and creepy and their brains are small and undeveloped but also sometimes when kids do weird things it's because they're 
being abused and don't know how to act out that trauma. So that's another thing that's kind of weird and creepy to think about. Is he like, oh, I have all this trauma and I don't know what to do with it, so I'm going to hide knives places and say that my doll did it. Yes. Yes. There, There's so many things here that are interesting and sad, yes. I think. And by interesting, and we mean nightmare fuel. So, Eugene, genie boy. Genie boy! To New York and Paris, and he studies art, and then he meets his lady. They get married, and the auto home is, of course, like this beautiful mansion. And he decides to move back in the family home after everyone dies, and he brings his wife there. First thing he does is he takes Robert out of the attic, and he puts him in a prominent room, the turret room. Oh, my God. He looks out open over this you know, open area, and then once that doll is back, people start getting creeped. The doll is back, and people immediately start reporting things like, the doll is moving from window to window, doll doll is changing facial expressions, the doll is haunted. So, like, there's, like, this huge period of time where Genie Boy is no longer a child, and he's gone away, and the doll is in an attic, and then he comes back, and the doll is situated back into the house, and people are reporting the same things again. And his wife really did not like his attachment to his doll. I was just going to say, can you even imagine you meet this artist in New York City? He's like, you're in love. He's like, let's go move to my mansion in Florida. And you're like, this is great. And then you get there and he's like, this is Robert. Robert lives here now. You'd just be like, oh, fuck. Seriously? <laughs> Turns out you're crazy. Oh, no. What have I done? It's like 1920. So, I can't even divorce this asshole. Right. From there, like, the story is pretty domestic. You know, they live their normal lives. You know, he did art stuff in the community. <laughs> she ends up dying. People had rumored that she died because she locked... Robert into the attic and then went insane. It's not really what the, the more official reports report her death as being, but there's like, you know, it's it's funny because this is this like a child's imagination has taken over an entire community and like spawned all these huge rumors like yeah. Robert the doll killed his wife. Robert the doll is moving from room to room. Robert the doll is like voodoo revenge. It's weird how how much it it like took a mind of its own or a life of its own rather it's and and just like spread throughout the whole community yeah it's very uh urban legendy yes and there's just a couple things i want to bring up about this i mean so i called you myrtle earlier because myrtle mm-hmm. ruder moved into the home i bought the home and moved into the home after it fell out of the auto family ownership basically after eugene and his wife died the doll stayed in the attic, of course, the entire time. But again, there are rumors that for 20 years she would hear giggling and running around, and the doll would change places. So eventually she took this doll and donated it to the museum, the Fort East Martello Museum, where, of course, Eugenie did some work for them uh, as an artist. I think he was setting up a gallery space or something for them. I can't remember exactly. But now, whether Myrtle's hauntings were real or not, don't know, but she did apparently report hearing giggling and footsteps and decided after 20 years of that, she was just fucking over it. She's like, I'm old. I don't want to deal with this shit. Yeah. Also, like, it's not even my doll to begin with. Yes. 
He's like, this is not my fucking responsibility. So the auto home actually is now a bed and breakfast. Mm. And it's called the artist house. And you can stay there. And you can stay in the turret room. Oh, we should go there. We can add it to our cheese tour. Yes, mm. absolutely. Um, other things. So when you're visiting Robert at the Martello Museum, like the the thing that is popular legend is that you have to ask Robert for permission to take a photo with him first. And like you have to wait for that permission. So there'd be like an expression that you're looking for. If you end up taking a picture with him without his permission, then, like, bad hex voodoo stuff comes to you. Like, you break your arm, you get divorced, you have money problems, you car crash. Wow. Like, you end up being cursed. And it's interesting um, because if you look at any photos of him online, next to his case are all these letters from around the world. Some are from previous visitors asking Robert to li- lift the curse apologizing oh my for taking a picture without permission. Um, others are people seeking advice what? on, like, how to deal. Like, one of the curators or caretakers was telling, talking about how she wrote back to a girl, but basically she was asking about how do I deal with bullying. Aww. So there are children writing the, to this doll. Um, there are people asking how to, like, how to hex someone. Um, what? They're just some people just writing Robert the doll for the fuck of it, you know. So that is so. It's weird. interesting, but all these letters are, there. and they they're talking about how popular he is, and they said like they get roughly one to three letters a day, uh, some total of something like a thousand letters. Oh, and this doll, by the way, was like donated in 1994. Okay, so I'm sorry. People believe that this doll is a demon that can move, and they write letters to it. I don't, I'm not certain that they're convinced that it's a demon, because remember how I said, like, this is, like, all these movies are based off of him, but the, that's not an accurate portrayal of the haunting. Like, mostly he was just a mis- mischievous child. <laughs> he, like, hid shit and broke shit. That's, like, shit that kids do. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> that's still and make, insane. And making faces at people. It's like, meh, sticking my tongue out at you. So they think it's a dead child and they're writing letters to it? <laughs> like, I don't know what people think, but people are writing letters. And the museum uh, said that like all of these letters have been documented as well. Well, sure. And some of the caretaker curator says that sometimes she does respond to letters, especially if it's children writing oh, to Oh, well, Robert. that's nice. I also wonder, do the care- have you ever seen anything that the caretakers think that Robert like is real in the way that he moves and stuff? No, um, the, the, what the caretaker had said is, like, Robert's been a perfect guest, basically. (laughs) That's nice. I, those are always my favorite when it's, like, a haunted hotel or a haunted this or that. I'm like, I don't care if guests are like, I felt spooky. I like it when, like, the people who work there are like, oh, yeah, this happens, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's kind of funny because it's, like, there's, like, the huge mythology, but, like, it's this nice contrast to be like, well... He hasn't bothered me, so... Right, yeah. He can stay whenever he wants. Yeah. (laughs) A perfect So he also has this toy that sits with him, too. It's like... uh, This article had described it as being like this raggedy little toy doll. Uh, dog. Um, But... It's sort of of mysterious origin where the toy dog came from. Mm, A toy for the toy. Uh... Right. So there, there's just a couple other things, too, that make this a little bit creepy. Like, when people had been asked about, you know, Gene, 
people immediately recall, like, his unhealthy relationship with the doll. Ew. So, like, that, so think about that. Like, that is how, like, deep that attachment he had to that doll was. But then also, like, there's a whole community that, like, knew about this attachment and, like, you know, just fuel for the fire, right, that grew into what Robert is now. There's a couple other things. So you can stay in the turret room. That's cool. You can go see Robert the doll. That's cool. You can write Robert the doll letters. You can also send him candy. Apparently, what? Robert the doll has a sweet tooth. Uh, yep. You mean Robert the doll's caretakers have a sweet tooth? No, apparently they don't eat any of the candy that gets sent. Oh my god, that's how we get ants, people. But th- I think this is the most important part. Oh no. You can buy a replica. You can have no! your own Robert the doll. <laughs> yes. Yes, ma'am. Oh my you god. You have no idea. How 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 much I've had to hold back on buying that and sending it to you. <laughs> I was just going to say, you're going to send that to me, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> so. I would, I would say I would like nothing. I do not want a replica of Robert the Doll. However, should I receive a replica of, I think I, did I just call him Howard the Doll? Robert the no. Doll. <laughs> Howard, whatever. Uh, Howard the Duck or Robert the Doll. <laughs> uh, mine will be called Howard. However, I would love it if I got that and then I came in and saw one of my cats just sitting in the lap of this cursed doll. Like, nah, I don't care about no curses. I mean, Rue would definitely oh, yeah. just get right up in there. She would. Without even trying. She would. Uh, she would just... And my other... I have two black cats now and the other one is named Sushi and he would... He would definitely, he would just sit right next to it. Just chill. And be like, hey, what's up, bro? You got any of that candy? Hey, hey, you want to let me outside maybe? Uh, I need to go fuck some bitches. <laughs> I, I inherited sushi and he is not fixed yet. <laughs> I need to get him fixed. Oh. So whenever he goes outside, I just have these horrifying visions of him creating all these kittens that he doesn't pay kitten support to. Yeah, I mean, we can't be contributing to his chiss-up problem. Yeah, not that I don't love kittens, but there are many kittens out there, and you should not be making more if you're not prepared to be a father to them. Sushi. Well, now that we sushi shame. <laughs> uh, Jennifer... So what did you learn, Emily? I... <laughs> I had heard the story about Robert the Doll. I did not know that people wrote him letters, and that is weird to me. I mean, listen, I'm all for ghosts. I'm all for the enjoyment of inanimate objects. I'm all for people following their bliss. But I do find this strange. Like, what motivates you to write to a haunted doll? I'm just so fascinated with how basically child's imagination turned into a haunted doll you know yeah it is like this cult of personality around a doll i mean i just think about like you know when i get creeped out by something i mean you know i have like a collection of stuffed animals and i do have like a bunch of like pop figures and stuff Mm -hmm. like when i get creeped out about these things sometimes it's like the rational part of my brain goes no 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 there's nothing to be afraid of and even though, like, the crazy primitive part of my brain is still, like, yeah, but it's creepy, like, eventually the rational brain takes over. But, you know, there was never that trigger for any of these people. And now, like, he's this legend, and it's amazing. And, like, we have, like, 
four very bad movies and then like you know a well I guess all the child's play movies are terrible too all of those <laughs> movies as well I don't know they have like 50 of those movies like we have all these things we have an empire because because there is a little boy who is a little weird and had a vast imagination like isn't that crazy how big that impact is it is it's interesting well, it's also interesting because it, it's like a uncanny valley moment. Like this idea that we like robots and we like machines and the more human and realistic they get, the more we like them until it gets to this point where... It murders you. It's Well, no, the uncanny valley is like it's too close to being a human, but we know it isn't human and so it repulses us. So that's like some of those like living, like... AI creations like robots where they're like faces and they move or like Polar Express like those are too close to being human without being actually human and so it it upsets us and that's the uncanny valley but Robert doesn't trip that feeling in people people embrace him even though they embrace him for being human like even though they know he isn't yeah, and that's what that's what's interesting to me. Yeah, it's really weird. It's super weird. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Emily and Jennifer. Our sound editor is Clint. Theme music by Cosimo Fogg. You can reach your lovely hosts at All Things Terror Podcast on Insta and All Things Terror on Twitter or Gmail. If you really like our podcast, uh, we're posting extra content on both those platforms, so reach out to us. Uh, and let other people know. Give us a rating or review, or subscribe wherever you listen, and tell a friend. We love doing this, and we love sharing it with y'all. The cover art, by the way, for today's story was actually a photo she Emily took when she herself was in Havana. Hashtag, was it Cheeto dust? See you next time. Hi, Emily. Hi, Jennifer. How's your... Go ahead. I was going to say, should we tell everybody how I don't know how to push a button on a countdown? (laughs) Uh, I mean, listen, behind the scenes, we'll save that for, like, the the director's cut. (laughs) (laughs) The director's cut podcast where we just have... Wow, do you hear that? Can you hear that? Well, yeah, what is that? That is someone trying to break in my door and murder me, obviously. Oh, or I'll miss you. It's poten- <laughs> Don't. I'll come back as a ghost. So oh, we're going to have yeah, so much convenient. fun. <laughs> we can still record. <laughs> like, welcome to All Things Terror. This is your ghost ghost, Jennifer. Right. Recording from the other side. <laughs> And by the way, when they tell you that it's dark and gloomy, that's only partially true. There's like an emo section of like the other side, and then there's like the sunny beach California side, and then there's like the people that are still uptight. Like basically, it's all like the social stratification and like divisions that you experience in real life, except like you're dead. So, 
Oh, man. Yeah, I picture, too, though, that, like, your voice would just become super monotone. Like, hey, this is Jennifer. I'm recording from the other side. It's fine here. Like, just no modulation or whatever. Uh, but everything else would be the same. <laughs> that, that would be my NPR voice. <laughs> yeah, you'd have to get a new name. Um, like, Jennifer Hummingbird Click Clackety. This is Jennifer uh, Hummingbird Click Clackety, and you're listening to NPR <laughs> version of All Things Terror. <laughs> Click Clackety. How is that? Oh my goodness. How is that even a name? That's definitely one of the dumbest things I've ever said. You're not trying, are you? 